Welcome to the Headmaster and Me. This is Mike Owens, and I am excited to share with you. My son Caleb is here with us. He's here on break from uh, Moody Bible Institute and enjoying this Christmas vacation with us. I am excited to talk to you today about not learning styles. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about maximizing your child's learning potential. Howard Gardner brought together these multiple intelligences, and there's another person who I've enjoyed reading, which is Cynthia Ulrich Tobias in a book called The Way They Learn, and she really points out in a neat way, or extrapolates I should say, how Howard Gardner has those multiple intelligences. You know, we all have heard of the visual or verbal and the kinesthetic and the visual type learners. And uh, Cynthia brought out that we can use these ideas to help teach our students as well. So students show their intelligences in those ways, but they also learn in different ways or even have certain tendencies that they learn better in. So we're excited to, to discuss that a little bit today, and we're going to do that together. At first, uh, Caleb actually had a disagreement. Do you want to share that a little bit about the learning styles? Yeah, so my disagreement was that we all kind of learn you know, better through employing all of the different types of, of learning styles as opposed to saying, yeah, I'm a visual learner. You may be you know, a quote-unquote visual learner, but I guarantee you, you're going to learn better if you're able to see somebody doing the thing, do it yourself, and hear them talking about it. Which I totally agree with. And I would say we all have a certain tendency that we aim at or, or do better with. We'll start with uh, what the learning styles are. So kind of a brief overview of like what, what they would entail. Right on. So learning styles, um, to start with, as we learn from the different intelligences, are that we have a, a visual learner, right? So somebody can um, visualize and see things or, or see how it's done and just learn it and know it just by seeing it. It's really important too, uh, we learned through Linda Mood Bell that you're, you're visualizing, um, even when you're reading, you're visualizing. So affluent readers can actually visualize and make a, a movie in their mind about what they're reading. It's so amazing. And a visual learner is able to visualize literally what needs to happen and how it's going to happen and, and put those things together. An auditory learner is, is not just somebody that hears something and learns it, but they're actually somebody who needs to hear themselves say it to learn it better. A kinesthetic learner, we, we've learned a lot about this, is um, they are able to learn by doing. And uh, it's capitalized by Cynthia Orish Tobias that it's not just doing something you know they have to work with their hands to learn it but it's actually they need to be moving to learn it they have the tendency to learn better if they're moving so we see this in our schools you know we we are telling kids to sit down and fold their hands um, and all the young man can think about is i gotta sit still and hold my hand still and i'm not able to learn the topic that's being discussed so being able to give um, them free, and I say young men because the tendency is that young men mostly need to move um, and have a hard time or harder time sitting still. So be giving that young man freedom to stand up and move even while they're learning, um, while they're drawing, while they're doing math, whatever the case may be. If that's a great example of a kinesthetic learner, what's a good example of like, you know, practically, what's a good example of an auditory and a visual learner? Yeah, so the auditory, um, they don't only need to hear 
what's being said, but also, as I said before, they need to hear themselves say what is being learned. So instead of looking at 7 times 7 equals 49, I need to say to myself, 7 times 7 equals 49. They literally need to say it out loud. Then you'll see these people in big groups when you're sitting there. You think that there's people talking behind you or in front of you, and it's actually an auditory learner saying what what they're hearing out loud so if you're at a convention or at church or something and you hear people talking sometimes they're actually just repeating a cool thing that they just heard so we have a mutual friend who will actually repeat out loud exactly what you just said because he wants to remember what you just said and it's a lot of fun to hear him do that okay so i have a good example for a visual learner i would put myself in the category of learning best through audio-visual. So YouTube videos are really, really helpful for me, hearing what people are doing. And this is the visual part, is watching other people do the thing. So if I want to learn how to make a knife, I'm going to go watch a video of somebody else doing it. Nice. Yeah. So that that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, that's really good. And then we can, as parents, set up opportunities for these different tendencies to really thrive, right? Um, allowing for those who need to move, move, right? And that's not hard to do. I, I think that that's an, an easy one. The visual is easy to cater to, but making sure that they have something they're not always, you know, stuck with their nose in a book that I always say that we need to really bring the books alive. So being able to learn and read about it and then go do it really helps cater to those different learning styles. And I would add to that, not just bringing books alive, but rather finding books that are written by passionate authors that are already alive and bringing them into the, you know, kind of the real world. Amen. That's awesome. The, as So what I was getting at was, as well as um, catering to those things, we can cater these learning styles and these different bents that we have or different tendencies that children have of how we can help them really thrive in their learning opportunities. We have a list here, time of day, intake, lighting, uh, the environment, or even the design of where they are, and the temperature. Well, those are interesting things to think about, right? We all have a certain tendency that we appreciate in each one of those different um, aspects. The time of day one, I think we can all really um, understand pretty quickly when I say some of us um, are morning people, right? We, we enjoy the mornings we want to get up. And then those of you who are rolling your eyes and, you know, freaking out at me right now, you're not morning people. You're, you're, you're saying, no, I don't want to do mornings. I'd rather do something late in the afternoon, you know, after I've had coffee, <laughs> right? Those are, those are the non-morning people. That's easy for us to understand is there's a morning person and obviously there's a non-morning person, right? And, uh, and a lot of times we marry somebody that's opposite of us um, and that helps us get going on one or the other ends of the extreme, right? Uh, a morning person, if you're uh, strong in mornings and you enjoy mornings and you, you are really active in doing things well in the morning, that is when you should take on the more difficult task is when you are thriving, right? When things are going really well for you and when you enjoy it the most, that's when you should do the difficult tasks um, or the, I should say the more difficult tasks if there are more. So I'm a morning person and when uh, my brain is starting to slow down in the afternoon uh, is when I need to do the things that are not as difficult, if that makes sense. If your student is a morning person, but they are not thankful for math, right? They really struggle with it. They have a hard time understanding the concepts. They should be doing the math in the morning because it's difficult for them to do. And that's when they're functioning at their peak, 
right, at the best. And then the things that are easier for them, they can do in the later part of the morning or the later part of the day. The next thing is the intake, and, and that's just simply eating, right, or drinking. Some students will do better if they are able to munch on something, you know, and so celery is a good one. We actually want to offer things that are healthy. Um, sometimes students want something that's crunchy or some students want something that's soft and not crunchy. So knowing what that is and if they need that snack while they're um, doing some work and can they can they read a book and eat a snack at the same time? Um, can they write something and eat a snack at the same time? Obviously sometimes the actual um, feasibility of this is not always available but sometimes it's really available and we can allow for that and help them if they really learn better if they have something to munch on we can provide that sometimes for me too like i noticed that i cannot de-scork if i'm hungry like i gotta be running on a full stomach so that that definitely would kind of fall into that same category yeah and i think that's true for most people if you're distracted by something it's because you're thinking about that rather than the task at hand and if all you can think about is you know i'm, I'm hungry that's a hard time and, and there's studies of that as well um, especially with in poverty and things of that nature where um, students have a hard time learning because all they can think about is getting to lunch right that's hard to do so we also talk about the lighting of a room you know some of us really like all the windows open and light flooding in and all the lights turned on and that's where we thrive where we're gonna do better my wife is the opposite of that. She would much rather be in a dimly lit room and reading a book. You know, growing up, my, my mom would come in and flip on the lights and say, oh, it's dark in here. It's too dark to be reading. And um, I've, I've seen her. Your mom still does that to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've, seen, I've seen her do that to my wife. And my wife, like, frowns and didn't appreciate it very much. And so that's just an example of how some people appreciate the lighting to be lighter and some darker. Of course, not in the dark, but um, dimmer. And so can we help our students find that opportunity for them? I have something to add to this. In my studying, um, and I, I kind of wonder if this might work for another student, so parent, you might try this. I find it most easy to focus if I turn off all the lights and I have like a desk lamp on the notebook that I'm working on, or um, you know, maybe I'll shut all the windows and turn off the lights and then my computer is the only bright thing you know, that I'm working on. That helps me eliminate distractions around the room because, you know, my brain just wants to focus on anything but schoolwork. <laughs> okay. And then, the, like we talk about the environment, right? What kind of environment does your student appreciate? And uh, this is kind of, it reminds me of, a you know, it's a danger that we can fall into or a pitfall we can fall into is if you try to set up a school in your home, how that can be contradictory to what your real goals are sometimes. So keep that in mind. That's for another topic, um, another time to discuss. But at this point, what we want to talk about is students. You know, I, I come in and sometimes my students are laying on the floor and reading a book and they're doing great. They're on task. They're learning stuff, doing well. Um, and sometimes they need to sit at a, up at a table and learn. Um, but trying to figure out what they like best right and this is difficult as a as a parent is to do the ob observation and then even giving them the freedom to try right to give your students the freedom to try and lay down on the floor i'm not going to probably tell them to do that but if i come in and notice that that's what they're doing maybe i want to give them the freedom to do that because i think sometimes as parents we go well that's not how i learned we had to sit up at a desk and do this and do that and um, we put all these restrictions on our kids and I think that sometimes it's better to say, well, what is 
going to be better for them? What is going to be their real tendency here? Some students really thrive off sitting up at the table. And I have some some of my kids, they prefer to sit at the kitchen table and, you know, be on task and, and especially when they're writing. But I do, I do. I, I have some my kids will sit up at, in the couch and even have like a clipboard that they're writing on. I'm thinking of one in particular that, that really loves to lounge and they're not being lazy. They're they're literally they look at their leisure, but they're working hard and they're they're writing papers and um, working hard at that. So being able to give that freedom to find out where they're at. So then we also have this idea of temperature, right? And we all think that we, we all know exactly what temperature it should be in a room, but that's your tendency or your bent, right? But your kids may be different than you. There's so many variables to this, of course, but knowing um, what they're going to do better at. And if I do better when it's a little bit chilly, maybe I need to do that early in the morning when it's cooler. I need to work at that time or I need to do the more difficult stuff when it's warmer, um, depending on what the case is. So keeping those things in mind and, and being able to understand where your kids are and what their real tendency is and being able to help cater to that. Now, I, I am totally the opposite of we need to baby and we need to coddle and we need to cater to every whim that our child is. That is not who I am. But there are so many things that we can do to help them to take on these more difficult challenges that we have for them. Can you give a good example of, of um, you know, how much freedom you're going to give your students you know, over their environment and at what point you're going to say, okay, we, we need to go to work now? Oh, yeah, that's great. Where do you draw the line? And I, I really start with this, is you as a parent have been given discernment. <laughs> you have to discern that. And that's part of the fun and horrible challenge sometimes of being a parent, is discerning, is, is my child uh, taking advantage of me right now, or are they truly asking for that, if that makes sense. So I, I'm always um, hoping for that discernment to know. And usually we do, right? I think that if we understand and listen um, is really the key, is being able to listen and figure that out, but then really being discerning and knowing that. And you know, the little twinkle in their, in their eye of, um, I think I'm going to pull this one over on mom and dad right now. Um, but another real easy way to do that is just ask. You know, After they've been working for a little bit, you can do a follow-up question and see, hey, tell me what you've been reading. Right, that's an easy one to do. Or hey, let me look at that page you've been working on. Let's see, let's see how you've done. And if they're just nosedive and not doing it, um, or if they're lounging on the on the floor and supposed to be working, and you walk over and they're sleeping, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious, right? There's some things that are just telltale, and you don't need to know. Um, but trusting your your instincts, and and uh, you know, I would say uh, there's something to uh, intuition that we tend to not give enough credence to. If I were a parent hearing this for the first time, I would want to know like, okay, which one should I try first? What's, what are like the most likely tendencies that you see? Like, do you see, um, time of day playing maybe the biggest role or, or lighting playing one of the bigger roles? Like, what would you focus on? You know, I, I would focus on observing, um, something first, right? And I, I think that as we talk about this, uh, there's probably a, a bunch of parents saying, oh yeah, my kid is totally a morning person, or my kid totally, I walk in and I see them in the dark all the time. So I, I think that um, the what's more readily observable 
um, is are the easier ones to figure out. So run with what's all already there. Right. And then the more difficult ones are, are going to be, you know, are they visual? Are they auditory? Are they kinesthetic? Um, kinesthetic is probably pretty easy. You know, you know when the kids are always bouncing off the, the walls, they're probably movers and shakers, and, and they're the ones that are going to be more kinesthetic than others. Um, high energy. And as, as I described that, you might even say to yourself, you know, that, that sounds like um, ADD or ADHD. And how many times um, I've met with parents who come up and say, you know, I'm really concerned, and they really are, that my son or daughter has got ADHD or ADD. And, and I work with them for a little bit, and I, I say, you know, I, I think you have a young person here on your hands, not somebody that's ADD or ADHD. And don't get me wrong, I know that there are um, definitely students who fit that category and, and really have a hard time. Um, I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying there's many students who parents are concerned that they are, and the solution is allowing them to stand up, um, allowing them to do some moving. Uh, when they are given that freedom, they just do so much better, right? Um, but the, the visual learner, the auditory learner, those are a little bit more difficult to really um, figure out. And and I said earlier before that I really agree with you, Caleb, that they they do all work together, right? That um, not only that they work together, but that we can also challenge our students um, to do what's not their tendency or what's not their bent. If I have a, a student who is a morning person, that doesn't mean I can just say, okay, in the afternoon you don't have to do anything, right? No, that's that's not the case. What I do need to do is, over time, and little increments at a time, I need to challenge them to start practicing and trying to do things in the afternoon that are more difficult, right? And so, again, discernment comes, and I need to challenge them with, okay, you did math in the morning, let's do a little bit in the afternoon now, right? So that I'm giving them little bits to practice what they're not good at. So we, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, and that doesn't mean I, if I'm, I'm strong at one thing, that I don't have to practice getting better and you know strengthening my weaknesses. We need to do that as well. So taking that time to figure out what they are doesn't mean, okay, then I just cater to that. It means I'm going to challenge and get them better. Um, usually what we deal with is, you know, I'm not a morning person, so we wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning um, and I roll out of bed and have breakfast and I roll out of breakfast and I do, you know, get dressed and whatever and then it's noon before we start doing any work. Can we challenge that person to wake up earlier? Can we challenge them to do tasks in the morning? And again, it would be in increments and it would be a little bit at a time to really strengthen them and get them better because there's not always an opportunity to wait until the afternoon to get a job done. Uh, a lot of times we do need to get up in the morning and, and get to work and get things done. So how can I encourage and challenge my non-morning person um, to work in the morning, right? They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to do everything as quick as the next person. Um, but we do need to challenge them to, to work on that, to get better. I like the, the focus that you have on, on better. I mean, because if you think about it, education is just intellectual progress. So <laughs> every day that you do that, you're educating your child. You are a successful home educator. <laughs> yeah, so I really encourage people to, you know, meet your student where they are and then grow them up from there. 
Um, and that's why we start with observing and figuring out where they are and then growing them up from there. So what would you recommend for parents to try after they turn this podcast podcast off? Yeah, try observing. Try looking at your students and seeing what they do. What are the things that they like to do? What are the things that they try to do? And, and in, not like, here's your task, go do it. But how do you find them when they're doing free time, when you walk into their room and they don't even know you're watching, you know, what are they doing? What does it look like in there? Are they sprawled out reading a book, laying down? Are they sitting up at a table? Are they hiding in a dark corner? Do they have the lights bright and windows open and enjoying that? When you start to teach them something that's challenging, do they feel like they need to stand up and walk around? Um, Or do they really sit down and, and focus? Can you see them really looking up? Um, meaning when they're when when you teach them something and and they're you can see that aha moment coming are they looking up and and seeing above their head visualizing um what they're what they just learned Simon does that most people all the time <laughs> most people do that yeah so they we actually have just a, and I'm holding my hand just above my head um because we have this this is where we picture things happening just above our head um, in front of us, kind of in our in our frontal lobe area, but ahead of us, and we're we're really picturing what's going on. So much so that when I am talking to a student, what I'll sometimes do is I will ask them, you know, just what'd you have for breakfast, and I'll watch their eyes very carefully, and you'll see them look up, and then they'll start to remember, and the way they remember is by picturing where they were, what they ate, what they were enjoying, what was going on. And they'll look up and, and tell me, you know, by remembering what they visualized them eating for breakfast. Uh, it takes a while sometimes, you know, when you get caught off guard to remember what you had for breakfast. But that's a good test, you know, look look at uh, your friends and, and ask them a question um, that they'll need to actually do some recall and uh, and watch their eyes. And, and nine times out of ten, they'll, they'll look up um, to, to try and see what that memory looked like. If you were a parent hearing this for the first time, what would be... A- kind of your initial reaction like what would you go and do tomorrow as your your children are studying or you know just acting in their environments so i would want to go and observe my students right i want to see what they're doing i want to know um, how they are interacting sometimes uh, on their own without us telling us so if they're doing free reading or something like that to maybe sneak up on them and, and see what they're doing so if you were a parent hearing this what would be your reaction what would you want to go do you know, you recommend to another parent who is hearing this right now? Well, odds are they already know um, their bent, the bent of most of their children or the tendency of their children, of what they appreciate the most and what their real learning styles are. I would encourage them to write that down, write down what you know, just so it's, you know, when we write something down, it's more concrete and we have it in our own understanding and then start to observe the ones that you're not sure of to go and see which one they're going to lean to, what tendency they have more than the other. And then write that one down too. And that way you have that concretely understood and then you can start actually catering to those things and then do it, right? That's a lot of times we we get stuck with this. I understand this, but I have it put into practice. And we, we say sometimes there's a long ways, long distance from our head to our heart and we need to um, actually put it into practice. So that's what I really encourage you to do is to put that into practice. Thank you so much for joining us on The Headmaster and Me. Look forward to talking with you again.